Sting is a pyramid since time immemorial. Shit runs downhill, money goes up. It's that simple. I should not have to be coming here, hat in my hand, reminding you about your duty to that man. And I don't want to hear about the fucking economy either. I don't want to hear it. So, break it down for him. What two businesses have traditionally been recession-proof since time immemorial? Certain aspects of show business and our thing. Now that's it. That's all I gotta say. Frankly, I'm depressed and ashamed. Depressed and ashamed, you say? Maybe you should go see a therapist, Tony Soprano. Why, I guess you do. Welcome to Cut to Black, a Soprano sit-down. I'm Jim Scampoli, and I've seen every episode of The Sopranos. I'm Jacob Burrows, and I've seen 40 episodes of The Sopranos. Yes, that's right. We're on the big 4-0. I'm an old, crotchety, middle... Well, old is... That's insulting. I'm a middle-aged man at this point in Sopranos years. And boy, I know... I feel like I know everything going on in the world. I feel like I know everything about The Sopranos because we're on season four. I'm now a real man. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) this episode. Who made it, though? This episode, for all debts public and private... Written by David Chase, the creator of The Sopranos, and directed by Alan Coulter, who is a Sopranos mainstay. We've heard his name before. We'll hear his name again. Uh, But yes, as we touched upon at the end of our discussion of the season three finale, uh, as far as in real world times, it's been quite a while since people have seen The Sopranos, and the world's changed quite a bit. Um, Although in the... They have to, like, cheat it a bit, because... Uh, they kind of fucked up with the end of season three because they're talking about the Super Bowl and like they're talking about the teams in the Super Bowl. So it does place that episode on a specific date. And then now they're trying to act like this is only like a few months later, but they're also referencing 9-11, not directly, but in a little bit of ways. So it's in real world times, it's been over a year, but they're kind of acting like it's been like six months on the show, even though it couldn't possibly be that way but you know hey for the good of the drama right yeah absolutely uh i will say coming back into it at this point uh i mean like you said it's been a long time word has apparently spread because i believe this is the most viewed episode of the sopranos that is when it was live on tv all right it's not tv it's hbo but (laughs) you know 13 million people saw this one so this is like at the height of sopranos hype and David Chase himself penned this one. I will say, when we start out this episode, I am like, this looks great. Like, this looks different. I don't know. Um, a little bit. And, like, the colors are different in a good way. Uh, at the same time, some of the scenes, they're sort of, they're popping. Uh, I'm still talking about mainly the color and the way it's shot. It's popping in a way that makes me feel like it could be a family drama which is somehow great like it's all colorful and um, like high key lighting when they're at home and stuff like that so it feels a bit different but i I also i don't know i was i was just like oh this looks great yeah i I, and and um i don't know if i'm just picking this up or it's not there it does not that the sopranos has never not been a confident show but it does feel like there's this new level of confidence uh, between yeah. the look and the direction. And um, uh, I mean, it's only the premiere, so it's hard to say the story in general. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I feel that as well. There's like a different feel to it. Maybe it is partially the amount of time. Uh, there's a lot more time to sit and dwell and plan how, how you want everything to go. And especially with season mm-hmm. three, I mean, it was well known with 
Nancy Marchand, the actress that played Livia, passing away in between, but they still had a new season within the next year. Like seasons one, two, and three are all like normal TV seasons. Like, oh, it's a new year. Here's a new season. Uh, but yep. they were kind of doing some stuff on the fly. I had to change things on the fly, but here they are back with some time. I th- and I, I don't know how true it is, but I, I think I had heard or I read that they initially were supposed to start production in the fall of 2001, but then, of course, 9-11 happened and it changed things up a bit. So they didn't yeah. start till much later, and then it didn't premiere till much later. But, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, speaking of changing things up, I did uh, wonder last time, are they going to cut it out of the intro? Because, you know, the Twin Towers, they're there. Mm-hmm. They've been there for the first three seasons. And it's so weird, you know, watching something from before uh, and seeing that. And it was like not a big deal. And of course it's in there. But then now it's the 2002. So, of course, they. Yeah, now it's not. Now it's gone. Now it's not there. And I, I, I then it's not like a thing where a lot of things at this time would take like they would take the World Trade Center out or ads that had World Trade Center they take out, but then they like put it back in later. But I think on the show it's just it's gone. So uh first scene here we have Carmelo reading from the newspaper about influence peddling. Uh and I thought they were doing something where they were gonna reveal her hair was super short because she just holds it at a eye level sort of for and that's a long shot. Uh I mean, yeah, it, it goes on for a long time. Uh but yeah her hair is just a little bit different. Looks great. Carmelo looks great in this episode, by the way. Yeah, and the uh, the article, yeah, it's about Italy and something to do with a plaintiff gave a bunch of fish to a judge to speed up the process, and they just, you know, the Italy said that uh, learning that the country's highest court of appeal had ruled that influence peddling is not a crime, and I mean yeah. tying in with the title of the episodes for all for all debts public and private, and plus just the Soprano lifestyle in general. Uh, hey. Might as well peddle the influence. You got the money. You got the sway. Let's go for it. Yeah, absolutely. And then we get an uh, almost iconic first episode of a season shot of Tony going to get his newspaper. Uh, (laughs) It's basically the whole shot there. Uh, And then we see this FBI agent uh, picking up her baby and with her presumably baby daddy, uh, another FBI agent in there. but yeah, so just sort of sort of a lot of establishing things that are going on here, including Tony getting excited about seeing the ducks, but now it's just a goddamn squirrel. Well, and I do want to call out the the World Destruction song by what Public Image Limited, uh, featuring Johnny Rotten as one of the singers from uh, Sex Pistols. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first time I'd ever heard this song, and even like immediately, I remember watching this episode and being like, "What is this song?" It starts and opens the episode. It's such a great yeah. pick. And it's, you know, we get that feeling again that we had when Tony was telling the story in the pilot and he's walking down his driveway, getting the paper and re- and talking about the end of an era. Uh, and we get the same thing because now the news is getting even worse and it feels like we're facing Armageddon. I, I love this whole p- setup and I love starting a new season of Sopranos and seeing Tony walk down his driveway. It feels like everything's right in the world. Yes, and while they're sort of concerned about what's going on in the world, we have this stack of newspapers uh, because it's part of social studies at AJ's new school. And uh, Tony asks, are you passing social studies? And AJ says, you just revealed your own ignorance, (laughs) which doesn't feel like something he would have said at the end of last season, but I like it. Uh, I like where he's at. Um, 
he is right. He did apparently he did just start this class, so there's no way to tell if he's passing or not at this point. Uh, but he's certainly not reading the newspapers. Uh, yeah, and well, another quick call out too to the FBI agent. Uh, we try as they flesh her out a little bit more. We see she has a baby. Did you notice who her husband or boyfriend is? No. It is Job from Arrested Development. That's right. That is Will Arnett himself. We did see uh, Buster wow. in an earlier episode running the chemo machines, I believe, for oh, Uncle Junior. Yes. And now we have Will Arnett popping up, uh, getting the Arrested Development cast all through Sopranos. Yeah, he's just he's the just the guy on the phone. He's not doing his Job yep. voice. He's not being very funny. So I guess <laughs> you don't quite notice him, but he's there. Yeah, I just pulled it up now because I had to see. And yeah, of course it is. Uh, <laughs> but it just flew right over my head uh, when I was first watching it there. He's just there like doing exposition, basically. Like, yeah, yeah, she's doing the undercover stuff still with the Sopranos. Like, <laughs> letting us all know what's up. Um, And then, yeah. Oh, and we get a little taste of... um. Carmilla, and I, I, I guess this is kind of... I mean, this is par for the course for Carmilla at the beginning of a new season of Sopranos. Much like we need to see Tony walk down the driveway to get a newspaper, Carmela has a new crush. Uh, and we see it hinted at just a little bit as she thinks Furio's there as she looks and checks her hair. And she's kind of, you know, bummed that it's Christopher and not Furio. Yeah. And Christopher is a bit bummed that he's been relegated to being a driver again. Um, he doesn't... So it is interesting in this episode, they, they sort of lay it out that um, Tony's thinking that one thing's happening and... and um, Christopher's thinking that another thing is happening, but we'll get into it. He's doing some driving there. Um, he's, like, not explaining wh what's up. Uh, but I mean, the thing about thing about Christopher is he doesn't understand that he's being, like, privileged in being close to Tony. Uh, he thinks, like, what am I, your errand boy now? But then, like, Tony's separating himself from other people and, like, uh, it's so frustrating to see these two. Yes, and it's a nice mirror again like to go call back season one again because it is like we're yeah. starting anew here because christopher again is too stupid to like he was doing the same thing we had a shot when we've seen the shots of christopher driving tony around but complaining about his position and now he's a made guy and he does have power and although i guess it's kind of on tony as well because he's not being clear that like, no, I want you, you know, I'm grooming you to be my right hand man. Like he should yeah. be a little bit more clear, but maybe to Tony, it's like that's part of the test, I guess, for him to pick up and understand what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, so we have Tony going into the um, doctor's office with Junior, where Junior wants to change the deal here a little bit, get a bit more of a cut because uh, he's got this trial now coming up. After two seasons of uh, no trial happening, it's finally coming around, um, and they need to hire these experts and this and that. And Tony says, nah, it's all staying the same. I got my own money problems. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Uncle Junior is being very direct with, like, you know, you kept me as boss to take a hit, and that's exactly yeah. what I'm doing. So, so you know, it it doesn't seem that out outlandish that he wants him to help it out, help him out a bit, and maybe make things right. And of course, Uncle Junior hasn't learned from in the past. He's still flirting with nurses, and you know, thinks he's just uh, another uh, young coxman out on the town here as he's flirting with the nurse, and it's uncomfortable for everyone. 
Yeah, although she's very sort of uh, uh, like game for it mm-hmm. in the way where she's like, uh, you know, people get sued for doing that sort of thing these days, but she lets him kiss her cheek and all and like rolls her eyes playfully and then makes googly eyes at Tony as well. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, so then just a quick scene there where we see, have Carmilla seeing, uh, Mrs. Bompincero handing out cutlets or whatever in the, in the grocery store sort of to kickstart her storyline. Yeah. Yeah. Because even though, you know, I guess this is kind of a Carmilla character trait at, at this point, it's not necessarily, uh, not to pick on the writing, but it's like. Carmela once again in last season when she took the ring off and seemingly was starting to uh, branch out for herself is now once again just looking to Tony to save the day. I mean, it's a little different because she's not completely relying on him for jewelry or like nonsense. She's very just con- obviously concerned about the future. Um, mm-hmm. And even besides just Angie Bump and Sarah, just look at, I mean, Rosalie April and everything she's lost uh, and I guess, and Tony does have a comment uh, when she ends up confronting him about it, where he's like, ah, I took care of her long enough. So I guess, uh, the, the checks have stopped the coming from Tony Soprano. Yep. Yep. Um, so we get a scene of, uh, the FBI agent hanging out with Adriana because they're best friends now. Like they make, they, they became good friends very quickly. And uh, yeah, <laughs> Christopher comes home and he's like, he doesn't like this girl at all. <laughs> doesn't like that there's someone in his apartment even. Uh, and Adriana's like, oh, stop. Uh, but yeah, he just wants her to get out of there so he can go shoot up in his toes. And um, I don't know what happened at, at some point between me first watching Breaking Bad and rewatching it, I became really uncomfortable with watching people do heroin. Uh, and I, I don't know what it is, but it like, it really, like, I don't even, I don't mind taking a shot, uh, not a heroin shot, but like just a regular shot. It doesn't really like bum me out, but when I watch it on TV, it's so disturbing for me when, when I see people doing heroin, like Christopher's doing this idiot. Now, but when you say take a shot, like you don't mind if they just do it in their arm or you're just talking about in general? I'm meaning for me personally, like yeah. I don't mind needles, like stick yeah. them in me. I don't oh, give a shit. I see. Okay. But like when I watch it on TV and someone's like takes the heroin and they're like, oh, and then like the the fucking music kicks in. I'm like, this is making me really uncomfortable. Well, for some reason too, like the fact that he's doing it in his toes or whatever, or in between his toes, it's, I don't know why making it more real isn't quite the, the proper description, but I guess it just feels more real because it's so premeditated. Like he knows that he's going to hide it that way. And he's just, it's definitely, I mean, I guess maybe in the back half of season three, we didn't spend a ton of time with Christopher, but it felt like the last time we spent time with him outside of him, you know, having the learning curve of dealing with the bookie and becoming a made guy. It seemed like he had things together and to now check back in with him and he's reverted so much and he's complaining. He's, he's, complaining about like when have i never not been there as he's shooting up heroin and then even adriana like i i like it too that she's it's not even that she's against doing heroin she's like well we just like smoke it and (laughs) and he's like that's more addictive than this and it's like i i guess that's debatable i don't know which one's more addictive maybe it is uh but she's like maybe you shouldn't do this and he's like ah I, i need to you know just classic I guess addictive personality, you know, you kind of rationalize in your head. So any little slight, it's like, ah, fuck this. I'm getting high. 
yeah, Tony's right my ass and like not telling me what's going on. Oh, I gotta do these drugs. And uh, yeah, he does complain about that again. He doesn't know what's going on. And but Tony's not making it very clear either. So uh, Tony's just making a nice Sunday, watching a nice cowboy movie with a nice song in it, and just Carmela just has to come and ruin it, uh, talking about how <laughs> they need money if he dies, and ugh, women, right? I love this moment because, I mean, one of the great things about The Sopranos is how they take this larger-than-life mafia person but we get stuck in these mundane, real situations. And given she's talking about money and the possibility of being arrested or killed, but I don't know. I feel like everyone can relate to, like, he's just making this, like, delicious-looking Sunday. He's got a movie he really wants to watch. He has, like, the, ugh, as you sit down for the, like, and you're like, I'm really just going to veg out now. This is my time. And then someone has to come in and be like, nope. The real world's not done with you yet. And and I'm I'm yeah. not even blaming Carmilla. Like her her worries are completely legitimate and it makes complete sense. Um, but I get Tony's, you know, like you'll be taken care of and he has to be vague to not make an accessory after the fact. But one of the best lines, uh, and I think they used it in a lot of ads, is when she's like, you know, uh I don't know if I have to tell you. I forget the exact line, but it's like, you know, I don't have to tell you this, but maybe you should watch the news, but everything comes to an end. Uh, It's fucking great stuff. And then now it's just like she even turns off the movie at one point and Mm -hmm. and he's just uh, evening uh, destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so so he actually at one point starts like, you're right, uh, my job is very stressful, and this and that. But he's, she's just staring at her, uh, at him. So he, like, like stops and, like, fine, I'll just keep going then. And, like, he's try- like he's getting riled up, but then he's like, I'm getting riled up. I don't want – that's not what I wanted to do. Uh, and they just keep talking about bonds and stocks. And he's like, oh, you have to be high up for the in the corporate structure to make any money off stocks. Which um, I don't I don't even know. But then there's like, yeah, uh, she says, oh yeah, just grab the money from under the mattress and we can make it grow. And he says, ah, oh, stays put. And also, we just no money in this yeah. house. Yeah, no money in this house ever since the last raid or whatever it was. But as we see, he's he's. Uh, I mean, I guess technically there's no money in the house, Ugh, but there's some yeah. money. There's some money around. Yeah, and again, I don't, like, it's so hard for me to understand how this works. We need, like, a Saul Goodman-type lawyer to explain how this money's going to be laundered because it seems really silly and stupid to have that much money, like, hidden around the house because you could easily be busted, like, someone could easily have a search warrant or whatever. But then it's like, nobody has to keep it there, maybe, in order to get it cleaned later or like what's what's the big idea with hiding all this money from my understanding it is it's more so that he is um uh he's specifically hiding it because going back to the time like he's specifically hiding it and keeping it out of the banks and keeping it out of investments and just keeping and businesses and everything he wants it in the fucking floor he wants it in the bird feeder because especially going back to that time, like within a year of 9-11, there was so much uncertainty and things were just it just seemed like there was no hope uh, yeah. that it's. But then he's also kind of playing the poor man uh, throughout yeah. the episode, as we see, like going up to like the next scene. Um, 
where he asked like not only to just Carmilla but to also to the rest of the the capos it's like we don't have any money and i guess maybe part of that's true maybe they're not making the same uh this you know the same big bonuses they were and that's that's a bad thing it's like okay we only made you know 10 million this year when we made 10 million last year so that means we're doing bad cuz we didn't grow anything or whatever the fuck yeah, it's hard to say. I feel like he's, um, yeah, he's, I mean, he is the boss. I guess it's his prerogative, but he is, like, stockpiling cash for purely selfish reasons. I mean, the mob is, you know, it's run on selfishness, <laughs> if it makes sense. But also, he's, like, st- stressed out for real because he goes into the Bing right here in the next scene and beats up the guy whose name I always forget. I believe it's Georgie. Yeah, it's Georgie. But his eye's fine now, so I'm glad to see that. Uh, but not his back anymore because he, he just keeps going on about the ice and how everybody's going to water down the drinks. Like, that's a bad <laughs> yeah. thing. And then he, like, yeah, of course, throws all the ice at him, starts hitting him with the bucket, etc. I mean, he's definitely stressed, but also this is not, again, this is like walking down the driveway to get the paper. This is Sopranos mainstay. It's a new season. Tony needs to beat Georgie up for some reason, <laughs> for something that he's yeah. mad about. Uh, but yeah, and this is one of my favorite scenes. We use a piece of it at the start of the show. It is one of like when I think of the Sopranos, I think of this Tony speech for some reason. Uh, I think partially it's because it's I've in my memory anyways, it's the first time I've ever heard the phrase time immemorial. Like I never knew what mm. that was before until Tony's using it here. Um, okay. And I love that he's he's pretending like he cares about Junior. He's taking what Junior told him earlier and using it yeah. as a pity party to try to, you know, kickstart these capos to get, bust some heads and get some money out there. It is great. And it is great to see. Um, OK, these are the capos now because I lose track. Like, yeah. And I guess... Um, Polly and I mean Polly we'll get into Polly um but yeah these these guys are like the capos and like the excuses they're given of like what about that thing with the guy and he's like it died on the vine and then the the other I don't want to hear about the economy like they've clearly got these excuses going on it seems like for everything shit that Ralphie was doing last season he's probably like the the best earner so I guess it makes sense now. The thing they were always saying about Ralphie, oh, we can't get rid of him. He's a good earner. Like, he seems like the only one who's doing his job, maybe. Well, yeah, and it's, again, this is something, yes, in this context, it's a mafia guy, but I'm sure there were sales, I mean, there still are, but especially at the time, there were sales jobs and there were sales meetings that were very similar to this, where some guy's yeah. yelling at them because there's not... You know, where is there no growth in this fucking vacuum sales, wherever the fuck we're selling? Why are we not upsizing more uh, Happy Meals or whatever? Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and, and I it's interesting coming so close off of the finale from season three because there's a comment that Ralphie makes when he drops when they drop that uh, duffel bag full of money. And Ralphie says something about like, no matter the economy, Skip, you're always making this big money or something like that. Uh, and mm-hmm. I guess it's a natural progression for like something like the Esplanade that they were always talking about. Because, again, going back to the time, um, as far as like post 9-11, stuff like that was getting kind of pushed to the side. I mean, not completely, yeah. but it wasn't the same, you know, flow that we're that they were used to. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, and and again, with the timeline you mentioned, it is interesting because it's got to be, I mean, they showed what what teams were playing in the Super Bowl, I think. So I think that's solidly put that in, like, the early part of 2001. Yep. This is, like, the end of the summer. But, like, yeah, it's it's got to, like... Yeah, they're they're doing some trickery for sure. Like it's yeah. been it's been a few months, but it's clearly 2002. So and and like I go. understand why they have to do that because then otherwise the undercover agent had been working for a year and a half, and yeah. you know it would have to be different than that. And they and not that Jackie Junior's death could completely be washed away in that amount of time, but the, uh, they want it to feel fresher. You know what I mean? As far as you know, plot and drama wise, so. You know, it's yeah. completely forgivable. They don't have to change all their storylines. But, yeah, they're definitely playing with some trickery here as far as uh, the time span. So there's a uh, there's a quick scene of Tony hiding money, uh, but that basically moves us into a dinner scene where uh, Rosalind, is that her name? Yeah, yeah Rosalie. And, uh, Rosalie, yeah. And Ralphie uh, are over for dinner uh, because it's her birthday and she's very down. But then, of course... Janice is there as well, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just uh, laughing it up, loving it, loving the story. And, you know, Ralphie's doing his charismatic thing that he does. Uh, but then at some point he has to sneak off and just do some quick drugs, of course, because it's The Sopranos. Yeah, he's like telling some stories about having a Harley or a motorcycle. And then AJ's all interested in that because, what, he wants to get a motorcycle or a car. And, yeah, Janice is getting her hooks in Ralphie, laughing really hard. I think what, like, you know, touching his arm, stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Adriana and the and Danielle, Danielle. show up, so she's in yeah. Tony Soprano's house now. Uh, yeah, right. Ra- Ralphie sle- sneaks away to do some blow. Janice shows up, so now they're both doing blow. Tony does notice that their seat, like, they're both kind of gone, and he, you know, Tony's not a dumb man. He knows something's going on there. Yeah. Yeah, and Danielle's there, and it only took four months. In other words, or however long it's been, uh, in other words, way more effective than a lamp. Just get a human in there, and you're you're good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So moving on, Tony does need to get. It's interesting because we see him excited about the ducks, but then and he's getting like bird feed for them or whatever. But it's also to hide the money, so it's like it's not really for that. The only important thing in this scene is, wow, that sign is so fake. Which one? Is it like the bird feed sign? Yes, the wild bird. It says uh, wild bird center, and it's like the fakest sign ever. Like it's so clearly like put in there. Just so you, it is. It is. I, I guarantee it. Oh, just like they kind of had to do a little little computer CGI type deal. Let me. Yeah, because they couldn't find there. a huge enough sign that said Wild Bird Center, and they didn't bother making it. They were like, "Let's make it on computers," even though it's presumably more expensive in 2002. <laughs> it just looks like it's done in Word with like a drop shadow, and it's green, and it's all the same nuance of green. Like it's lit, but it's not lit. Yeah, 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 y'all go have a look. You know, you'll know it when you see it. I'll pull it up real quick. I'm, I'm going to pull it it's up. 25 minutes in. 25 minutes. Here we go. Here it is. Yeah, looking at it, I honestly didn't notice it at the time, but now that you pointed it out, uh, it is it, it is kind of like they just put a outline on a Photoshop uh, text yep. and just put dropped it in there. Right next to the yep. Italianissimo. Italianissimo. <laughs> 
Exactly. And there's someone even walking in front of it at one point, and I'm like, that's just more work, like, because yeah. their head passes it. in front of it. I'm like, why did you do that? Someone had to, like, go through those frames. Because it doesn't look bad as such. It's just not a real sign because it's all the same shade of green. Like, there's no, there's nothing... Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. this is not important, but it's just <laughs> yeah, I, I had get to it. call it out. Uh, yeah. And then he meets the selectmen, and they're you know still talking kind of esplanade type business, but they're also basically saying, um, you know, these are ways to take advantage of the current current landscape, uh, the political landscape, and how it's affecting uh, the economy. And specifically real estate, because they're kind of talking about like, yeah, let's buy. Now we could buy shit up because it's cheap because no one wants to buy and we have money. So let's take advantage of everyone's fear. And we see that play out as Tony makes it seem like he's extending an olive branch to Junior by buying like a lot that he owns. That's going to be worth way more (laughs) uh, down the line, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Tony, uh, it's... You know, you love your uncle and you want to help him out, but clearly, like, he wouldn't be doing this uh, if this wasn't the case. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a good scheme. You know, the property value is probably going to go up. Even if something goes wrong with this, it's still, like, property. It's New York or New, New, New Jersey, whatever. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be worth more. Um, so in that meeting, we also bring in um, uh, Bobby and uh, let him know that he's becoming the new capo, right? Oh back yes, when they're when they're back at the doctor's office, yeah. Mm-hmm. They uh, Junior does take his shot finally with the nurse. Is like, you know, hey, let's go to Atlantic City or whatever. Something really dumb. And I guess yeah. that's just that's the uh, uh, the plight of all of us uh, males. If we're old and alone, we're gonna sit there being the creepy guy that hits on young girls because we're just oblivious and like, hey, why not? Maybe she will. Uh, but yes, also while that's going on, he does decide. Well, we that- don't even have to, you don't have, even have to be old for that. You can just be any guy, <laughs> any age, true. really. Very true. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, then they decide they're going to bump up Bobby. Um, and I, I, I like that we don't really see the scene so much. We just see it from like a doctor's point of view as there. It's just like, oh yeah, I'm at my job being a doctor and I look into an exam room and it's just three Goombas have to shut the door in my face because, hey, we're doing business here. Get out of my face. Yeah, I think it's the same doctor as before who's like nodding to nodding to Tony as he's like, oh, yeah, here's the thing. Like, it, this is the thing they're obviously doing over and over. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I didn't notice, but the scene does parallel the ending of The Godfather where... You know, they're all kissing, well, no spoilers for The Godfather, but they do close the door at the end of The Godfather. We haven't watched it in a while. We were uh, supposed to watch it between seasons. We should seasons, have watched but... it. That would have been perfect. That would have been the payoff yeah. right there. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they do close the door, and it is a bit similar. So there you go. Oh, that would have been the payoff. God damn it. I Why? even pulled it up. I watched I watched the final scene there just like, oh, yeah, they do close the door. <laughs> That's basically the similarity, though. It's just three guys, and the door, door gets closed. Um but moving on to the like important stuff going on, Polly is in Orange. P- Orange is the new Polly Walnuts over here. Uh, he's been locked up. He's in the can. And at this point, I literally was like, "Okay, better double check that I'm watching the right episode because yeah. I feel like I missed something here." Even though like clearly it's the right episode because like the FBI agents there and everything. But I was like, "Am I watching the wrong season?" Because uh, I don't remember this. But then in the uh, conversation with Johnny Sachs, they get it out of like. Oh, here's uh, here's what happened, and so on. 
Yeah, and apparently he was recovering from some major back surgery, so they had to kind of write him off a little bit, like not completely, but change his storyline a bit, so he's in the can. Uh, But yeah, he's still got Johnny Sack's ear. He still does feel like maybe he's not getting his uh, just dues from Tony. Um, And what, isn't he also like, hey, don't change my program. Uh, (laughs) Don't touch that fucking TV. Well, he he races the guy to the phone at first and he stares him down. And then while he's on the phone, like, don't touch that. My my program's coming up. Yeah, which is Jerry Springer, as far as I can (laughs) tell, is the program that he needs to watch. Um, but yeah, he tells the story of how he got caught, like he, some gun charge of a, of a weapon that was like, well, it feels really like they're explaining it to us, the audience at this point. But I'm just like, oh, okay. Isn't even Johnny Sack kind of like, all right, I get it. Like he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't even want to hear the story either. Like yeah, he's, yeah. he's almost getting a Tony reaction to Polly because Polly's one that'll just go and go if you let him. So it's like, all right, we understand. Let's, w- w- what's more important here? Yeah, and it is interesting that, uh, like you said, they just ha- this is one of the things they just had to do because the actor wasn't available. But it makes sense because he was being, like, not marginalized, but a bit he was feeling like he was pushed to the side. So just having him be inside for a bit is obviously going to, like, emphasize that even more. So I, it wasn't like I was like, oh, this doesn't make any sense. He must be having back surgery. Like, I was like, okay, cool. Uh, I guess this is what they're doing to push him even further towards Johnny Saxon away from Tony Soprano. Yes, yeah. And then we see Carmela. She's got, uh, you know, a full stove of goodies going. Great, nice nice family meal. But Tony calls. Something came up. He's got to work tonight. And uh, they got some big celebration going on. I guess some, you know, they got a lot of money. Even though Tony was just yelling about money, like, I guess earlier that day, <laughs> now they're celebrating that something came through. Uh, but we do get the line where Carmine has to tell Tony that a Don doesn't wear shorts because Johnny Sack's been over when Tony's had some of these cookouts. And uh, that that's something to look down upon. That's like cunnilingus. Uh, and if you read Wikipedia, uh, apparently a, uh, a someone on the inside, a real-life uh, mafia associate, did tell David Chase that a real Don would not wear shorts. So... Yes, someone who who praised the show for being accurate, except that a real Dom would not (laughs) wear shorts. So Carmine gets to pull that one out there. And at this point, I'm like, just because you mentioned that, I'm like, oh, and I read it on Wikipedia. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Carmine. That's the guy everyone's (laughs) always talking about, but I've seen him like once. (laughs) Yeah, that's Carmine up in New York. Um, And then we get kind of like like a shameless scene of uh some women making out on a bed as tony just like smokes a cigar and watches and then uh chris of course is doing drugs but then tony kind of wakes him up he's taking him out somewhere ralphie's passed out naked on the hotel couch oh yeah and uh yeah i guess uh i, I mean stewardesses do they why like how how do they <laughs> arrange this like, because they're, they're not strippers. You just assume they're going to be strippers, but they're actual stewardesses. And I'm like, this is not the 50s. This is the early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, do they even have time off? I guess they must. But uh, okay, well, whatever. Maybe it's, it's just... just oh, wait, wait, and are they Swedish? Do they're they... Icelandic. Oh, so Icelandic. So they're from Reykjavik. All right. Yeah. Um, maybe it's just their cool mafioso accents and being in America <laughs> and the drugs. But yeah, you're right. It's... You know, it's not as much of a leap to be like, oh, these women that work for us at this strip club, we're going to make them do whatever we want. 
then like we just met these stewardesses earlier we're gonna make them do whatever we want <laughs> thing is you can you can pay stewardesses a lot of money and see what happens but like it's just that all of them are there in like a clump like mm-hmm. hey let's all have this fun outing together mm-hmm. as we're all off duty for a bit and uh i guess and they do say at the start of the scene here's to newark's newest hotel or whatever so i'm wondering is are they referring to the land he just stole from Junior, or is it just in general they're just celebrating some new mob achievement they've made that we we're not even privy to? I think that yeah, they're just because I think he doesn't bring up the land until the later scene when they're at the house. We kind of just okay. jumped ahead yeah. and mentioned it. Oh yeah, of course. Ugh, duh. But it's all right. Yeah. But yeah, that's what but it is. yeah, they're just sell- it's some sort of real estate scheme that yeah they got some money, the new hotel, they got a piece of it, of course, because. They got their fingers in any union or whatever jobs are going on in the city. Yeah. Um, so we got a great scene coming up here with Tony sitting in the car with Christopher uh, explaining what's up. And what's up is the man the man who murdered your father is right in there. He just uh, he just retired today. Meaning, and I thought it was like, oh, when you kill a cop, that's really bad. But it's more like he's not useful to us anymore. Mm-hmm. Like he he was a a dirty cop, and now he's not useful. So, you know, have at him. Here's a, here's his address. Well, and I love I love this interaction and this scene and the way Tony is trying to like play it up in the in right the right points where. You know, he was carrying a crib, and it's like, well, you know, he's carrying TV trays, but he could have been carrying a crib for you. And then yeah, it's I, like, I like, I love that because he says yes at first, like yeah. he was carrying a crib for me, right? You're like, yeah, like, well, no, uh, he was carrying a TV tray, but it could have been a crib, you know. <laughs> and then it's like, is that the fucking guy with the sombrero? And he's like, yeah. I don't know, he can't tell. But then he's like, yeah, you know what? I think that is him. Uh, could be. <laughs> yeah, and he's really getting him worked up. I mean, understandable. But it's and I like or I guess I don't where it's just interesting that Chris takes it in stride that they did keep this guy around uh, and it's just now that he's retiring. It's like it's okay. but I don't know. Maybe he just understands the business that well. And at the end of the day, it's just about who pulled the trigger, not about who let it happen, I suppose. Yeah, I think uh, for if if we're going into that particular part of it for him, it's like, well, now I get to do this. Like he just assumed he was dead. So assuming he was dead, it's not like, what the fuck? He hasn't been dead all along. It's like, Oh, I actually get to do this now. Uh, if he had known previously that he was alive, that would have been rough, but not, not when he's like getting the go ahead, which again, like from last season, um, Tony was like maneuvering things just so that they wouldn't, like have to kill someone because it's bad, like bad PR. But now it's like he's giving him the blessing to do this and murder someone who's a cop because it's like a little treat for you, Christopher. Yes, yes. And as we, as we um, hear him later when he talks to Melfi and kind of explains it almost, uh, where he's trying to turn to his blood and he wants, you know, even though I guess Christopher's not technically blood, but you know what he means because it's what Carmela's cousin or something like that and that but that's why he's Uncle Tony somehow but either way you know what he means Christopher's yeah. family amongst the quote family uh and it's I love how it plays out though because I mean 
we're the audience. We're in on it more than Tony because we see Christopher bitching about Tony, and then we see that Christopher is shooting up heroin consistently. So yeah. I understand Tony's rationale, but it's like, oh my god, Tony, you you don't know all all the fucking uh, everything that's going on here. You maybe want to rethink what you're doing. Yeah, and even this uh, this sort of great gesture, it is. It feels like it's sullied a bit when he's there and actually killing the guy, which, again, great. I mean, that's a great scene, the whole thing. Um, but when he says that, like, he has no idea what he's talking about and whoever's doing this is lying to you, they're, they're manipulating you, and uh, Christopher even acknowledges, like, well, it doesn't matter anyway. If he wants you dead, like, you're going to be dead. Yeah. So <laughs> he almost seems like, does he believe it? Does he not? And it's like shit, I'm in a place where it doesn't even matter if it's true or not because i got to kill this guy either way. But he must lose some of the, like, joy of it. Yeah, so it, it, I guess he just kind of resigns himself to, I might as well believe it. But what's your yeah. read? Is it is Tony just picking out some guy? Like, is the part that's true is just that he's just this cop that's no longer useful? Uh, or is it true that this is the guy that killed Christopher's father? That's a damn good question because obviously it's true that he wants uh, Christopher to be like see this as a positive thing and all. He doesn't want to set him up like the cop, uh, the former cop says. But then again, this might just be a guy who happens to know too much and now he's not useful. So may, may as well, like, just from the way he's talking in the car when he's like, is that the guy with sombrero? Well, I uh, can't see from here. Well, yeah. you know what? It probably is. Like, it could just be a guy who's like, yeah, okay, so that guy he had tuberculosis and he passed away, but, like, won't you get a, a kick out of this? Because I was going to have him killed anyway, and now two birds with one stone. So it is a good question. But then again, I also believe that this guy would just... Mm-hmm. not remember something that happened 20 years ago or whatever. So it's it's a nice mystery. Or even like, he. I mean, if he's a guy, if he is a connected, you know, dirty cop, he'd be savvy yeah. enough to just, like, obviously he's not going to be like, yeah, it was me, I did it. And I do like that they just kind of leave, they leave us here to kind of decide on our own. Um, yeah. And I guess I'm like, Christopher, I want it to be, that he's getting revenge for his dad. But yeah. then again, we don't know for sure, so I might as well just believe it. I might as well just believe he got revenge for his father. Yep, yep. Um, so Tony goes out to eat with Bobby, and he <laughs> Tony gets the scrambled eggs, uh, which uh, I guess he did mention to Carmilla earlier. What, are you worried about my eating or whatever? But like... the. I guess we've all been there when we're like, I should have the healthy thing. But then immediately he orders the steak. Yeah, he got like, it's like eggs with no oil and sliced tomatoes. And then Bobby has this huge plate of fried shit. And I guess it's a steak, but it's like you can't even almost not see the steak. There's just like onion rings and all kinds of stuff topped on it. And it's like, "Uh, hon, let me get another one of those. Uh, Get another steak over here. And uh, Bobby has the great uh, line about Quasimodo. And how I thought, for sure, I thought for sure this was going to be the clip at the start of the episode, Jim. <laughs> I've used it on Jim and them, so I kind of that's where I've heard it. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. So, if you don't know, dear listener, on Jim and them, they start with some clips from some some great TV show or similar, and yeah, that's 
I was like, this scene sounds familiar, but I don't know from where. So I actually have heard it on Jim and them. There's probably some other Sopranos quotes coming up that you've heard for, if you've heard them on Jim and them. But yeah, he's. Uh, I like it because I feel like this is a dumb thought I've had too, where it's like, oh yeah, Quasimodo, Nostradamus. Like they don't really sound like each other, but they kind of sound like each other. But And Bobby just sounds really dumb with what he's saying because it is a dumb thing to say. And it's like, you never thought about that? You know, the Notre Dame thing? And he's like, no, I never, <laughs> I never thought about that. Uh, but just what what a great way to break down this whole feeling that it, we're facing Armageddon, just like Nostradamus said, or Quasimodo, the hunchback of Notre Dame. But then he also goes into, and then you also got your quarterback and halfback of Notre Dame. And that's just because it's the name of, the, of a place or several places, right? That's, I don't know about any quarterback stuff, but like I know enough that that's not a coincidence. That's just a name. Yeah, now it's just now he's just talking like Notre Dame college football team. Like now it's just like, oh yeah, yeah you got your quarterback. And it's like, no, that's not, <laughs> that's not it at all. I'm the hunchback. Yeah. But I also, wow. I can just weirdly relate to like, oh yeah, I've thought dumb things like that, but I would never speak them out loud to another person because this is what would happen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And yeah, so in in the midst of this, we got, you know, Tony's talking to Bobby about that, also talking about the promotion. Um, And Bobby is, even though he's another criminal like the rest of them, he's such a sweet character that to me, I'm like excited for him. I'm like, oh, that's good. It is long overdue. You need to promote this man, even though he's not very smart or hasn't done anything that great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, I I do love how he's like, because he is such a bumbling idiot that I I feel like he would never make it to captain, but he's there like, yeah, I feel like this should have happened a long time ago. It's like, well, do you? Do you, though? Because everyone just died. Everyone else in the crew got killed. You were the only one who was stupid enough to, like, not upset anyone, and you wore the Santa outfit, so now you're a capo. And then uh, while that's going on, I mean, I I believe Junior does get well, he gets a call. He's hanging out with that other old man, who I don't know who that other old man is. He's just another old Goomba, I guess, Junior's friend. He tries to sneak yeah. away while he's sleeping. He makes him answer the phone, and I believe that's where they kind of get the news that there's a Fed or that the doctor's office is not a viable option anymore. Uh, Chris does kill the cop, which I guess, uh, I, before I forget, we need to throw it up on the old uh, on the old death oh, counter damn. there. Oh. Get the old... Uh, Hang on, let me... <laughs> I got to pull that up. <laughs> but yes, you're right. There's a murder, and I love that scene. Uh, he, like, turns up, what is it, Magnum P.I. in the background? Yep. Um, and, like, to, to to sort of mask the sounds of it, but it also works really great, the audio with the way it's shot, and it's almost like you hear the sirens, so it seems like someone's coming, and he is killing a cop and all, uh, and the way it sort of follows on him, because we know he did those drugs earlier as well, so... Um, yeah, well, he's really in it. It's a really well shot scene, and he like freaks out and shoots the swordfish as well. So good stuff all around. And, and what a bad cover! Because then he he does the thing where he puts the gun in the guy's hand and makes it seem like he committed suicide. But meanwhile, he's handcuffed to a piece of his stairs that he ripped off to try to escape. I mean, maybe and he's he... clearly <laughs> clearly shot in the ass as well. I yeah. think. And Which the, you wouldn't do if you were killing yourself. And I guess maybe he would have shot his own fish if he, you know, they could maybe build a storyline around that. But either way, do you get your counter up? I do. All right, let's, let's add another one to the listing. That's right, so we're now at 32 deaths, still at 11 walkouts. Oh, this show is just getting more and more mentally balanced by the moment. <laughs> more murder, less uh, walking out of therapy. <laughs> 
And we do get a quick shot of Carmela seeing, you know, just someone else being dead on the news. And they do mention potentially tied to organized crime. So just a nice quick visual of like what that life is, you know, just waiting to see uh, your husband or even someone else, some other close friend or family member on the news being like loaded into the back of an ambulance because they're dead. Uh, and then we kind of cut back to the Tony and Bobby are at juniors and they're talking about the feds. And I do like that. Uh, Tony says something to Junior about how could you fall for that fucking flirty shit? But there were those moments in those scenes where she was giving the eyes to Tony and Tony was giving the eyes yeah. back. So he is just as gullible as Junior. Um, yeah, and I mean, hilariously, we also see him see him eyeing Danielle when she's at the house and they're shaking hands. <laughs> yeah. So he's doing exactly the same thing. Uh, but yeah, it's been revealed. That's probably an FBI person. And meanwhile, we're, like, we're the audience. I feel isn't as affected because we're like, well, the Danielle's got a lot more than that. So yeah, yeah. And I do like that. It's never. It's not even fully confirmed. I mean, it probably is that nurse because she does say she's leaving now or something. But it kind of could have yeah. been. It could have been that doctor. It could be anyone else as well. But uh, I like that they just kind of leave it there. Uh, and then this is where Tony has his fake compassion by, oh, I'll take this lot off your hands. Uh, I do assume that he's going to help him a little bit more as well, but we do know that this isn't fully uh, an unselfish act because as he talked to the selectmen, we need to get some more of this land, build these hotels, or wait for the property values to go up. Yeah, exactly. Um, so next scene here is, I think, therapy. And Tony comes in saying, I'm a little depressed. Uh, <laughs> um, and he says, you were on vacation. And I was like, oh, I remember. Like, they always take vacation on the same months or something, right? That's the thing. And I believe it was August because I thought the same mm. thing. And I think I looked it up. And it's supposed to be August is the therapy. So it lines up with what they're talking about. Although I guess maybe AJ started school a little early. But Meadow's still in the process of potentially signing up for classes so it could it could line up for basically around when the episode premieres end of august early september yes 2002 i guess yeah Uh, (laughs) so yes um so this whole scene we get into what we've already discussed that the thing about carmilla bringing up the children and everything has made him think or he has been thinking anyway um like he actually says she's right not that i'd ever tell her that uh but like there's only two possible outcomes are dead or in the can and then he's like but wait there's a third one if you're like an old guy just giving all your orders through your son then you're in the clear apparently because you don't you're not connected to anything and i don't have a son well i do but uh you know he's he's doing his thing so we got a we got fucking christopher over here and it's gonna be great and uh yeah it's kind. It's it's. It, this sort of feels like it's teeing up what this season sh- is going to be about because Christopher has been, you know, obviously on the come up since season one, and now all of a sudden it's like, yeah, he's going to be right below me, and it's like, oh, there's like a bunch of people between you and him on the chain of command right now, but you're sort of working him up yeah and that's going to cause all sorts of problems not least because christopher is not completely suited for it at least not right now i want to believe hey it's all going to work out great but i feel like it it's not uh and uh tony doesn't know all the facts he just sort of has he has this romanticized idea of like oh yeah because christopher is blood so it's great it's going to be great because i saw a guy who was like that and it worked for them so it's going to work for me 
but like he doesn't see what's in front of him. He just sees the sort of ideal. Yes, and also it's a, a yet another kind of twist on going back to season one when he was complaining about the new generation and how they don't have the same loyalty. He was complaining about Christopher. But now yeah. he's at this point where he thinks Christopher is going to be his golden boy, his right-hand man, his... And again, it's like another... Like, he's making it seem like, oh, loyalty, family, we trust each other. But this is just another way of him using family to shield himself like he did to Junior. He used Junior one way, and now he wants to use Christopher another way because, again, this is about, like, those two endings will... Cr- come upon Christopher and not him. So it's not even that yeah. great, like, uh, you know, ethnic familia. Like, we rely on family. We help each other out. It's just another selfish thing. And then it, it's also kind of, this scene in general to me is kind of a cheat by the writers to explain what's going on. Because yeah. they, but they do, they address it by having Melfi say, why are you telling me this? Because he's being so candid here about his life of crime in therapy. But then again, we are at season four. It has been three years of him going to Melfi. And we do know that Melfi relies on him a little bit just as much as he relies on her. So it is almost at this point where they're past the pleasantries and it would take something really big for Melfi to run to the police. Uh, Just him talking in general here about crime uh, isn't as egregious as, say, it would have been in season one. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So he actually says here, I started the process of bonding him to me inseparably. And at that point, I was like, huh, what? Because from Christopher's point of view, obviously earlier there, he's complaining all about Tony and how he won't like let him in, won't tell him anything and so on. They, it does line up though, of course, in Tony's mind. It's just so so out of sync. I'd like it to be that he um, he's just started the process. Like, I, I, I hope he has more steps in mind that will actually uh, expedite this process, <laughs> and maybe one of them's fucking putting Christopher in rehab. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I guess, you know, to him, handing up the revenge for his dad on a platter like that is, is, it is quite a big step forward, I'd imagine. So to him, that's like his... Uh, kind of part of his holy grail to get Christopher to look upon him as, you know, his go-to guy and someone he'd take a bullet for. But I guess we'll see. Uh, I do love this end scene when Christopher's at his house with his mother, which I believe is a different actress than we saw previously when he was in the hospital uh, in season two. Um, Mm. But like I, I like seeing the pictures of Dickie Maltesanti, his dad, and, you know, he's kind of just sitting there like smoking a cigarette. He's asking his mom for breakfast, like what, a fluffinutter or something or other. Uh, I have no idea what that is, but yeah. It's like a marshmallow. You usually have it with like peanut butter and fluffinutter. It's like this weird marshmallow spread, and I assume she made some sort of breakfast treat with it. But it's kind of mm. sweet because even though she doesn't have fluffinutter, she's going to make him French toast. Uh, and I like that because he's sitting at the table with the, the army picture of his dad. And then when he gets up to leave and she sits down and she's sitting there and when it cuts back to her, she's put the photo down. Like, again, yeah. like she can't even like she doesn't even want to look at the picture. Uh, I mean, and I guess it's not all out of like, oh, the love of my 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 Dickie was a saint because she does even mention like, well, what was better when he was in jail uh, half the time or in the army half the time? 
Um, or when he's dead. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, or now when he's dead. That's what it was, yeah. And and then he puts the 20 on the fridge, and it zooms in, and the song kicks in again. Like, it's all masterful. Like, I, it, it's such it's such a great ender, such a great scene. Uh, I, I'm for it. I'm standing it right it's, now. <laughs> yeah, it's such a great episode as well, and a great one if, like, 13 million people are watching it to, to like, really show that we know what we're doing. And I think you're totally right about the confidence because there have been things there. They do quite often, like where we're like, huh, that didn't seem quite in line with what should happen on the Sopranos, even though like, how would we know that better than the people actually <laughs> making it? But like things just felt off. And here, what, even when they do slightly more extreme things, like zoom in on the money there at the end, it still feels completely right and cohesive in a way. Like that was the thing. Some of the style stuff that they're doing will sometimes feel like it's out of left field. It doesn't connect with everything else. And here they have a lot of style and have a lot of like specific things they, they, they're doing, but it all works together in a great way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, here's the season four. We're in it. Uh, but again, well, again, but to go back to, I guess, young Jim, even though I did uh, when I first watched this episode, I do kind of have memories of my feelings throughout season four. And I did like I mean, I love the song. I love the ending still. But I feel like I was still that guy that's like, where's the mob violence? You know, like, come on. All we get is one death. <laughs> like, come on. What are we doing? <laughs> Uh, I felt that that was like a little bit of a little bit of violence candy for the viewers to keep you all going, you know, because yeah. it's like a great scene with a with a cold blooded murder. They could have easily had like a, a 30 minutes about the FBI trying to plant something again, you know, <laughs> and uh, this was I don't know. It's I felt like it was a good mix of things. They got some violence in there. Though, granted, uh, not not to the levels we might uh, see in something like, you know, Goodfellas, because obviously this is uh not good fellas <laughs> yeah uh well yeah that's that uh send us your thoughts at shows what you know show at gmail.com or please submit a review to uh cut to black a soprano sit down on itunes or i suppose we're on stitcher too we should probably check that out uh i'm but- pretty sure we're on oh yeah the yeah. reviews you mean yeah. I, I can only assume there are hundreds uh <laughs> on stitcher on whatever podcatching platform you like uh but if you want it read out on the show just put it on itunes maybe maybe a, a high number of stars we'd appreciate that and uh yeah let us know what you think moving into season four uh you can also send that to shows what you know show at gmail.com more importantly uh there's of course shows what you know.com with all our things shall i just keep saying urls jim and them.com awesomepedia.org that's all you really need except for one thing what's that cut to black